0: Hello, we greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and what a, another blessed opportunity for us to be able to gather uh, together as far as Bible study is concerned. I thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to, to join us as we continue our study on 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 25. I, I'm going to ask, before we get started, if you would not mind Uh, bowing your heads for a word of prayer as We sense and seek what it is that the Lord would like to impart to us as far as our time together is concerned. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we come to you and we thank you for the sufficiency of your grace, how you have blessed us to come together one more time, to study your word, to learn more of thee, to see how you want us to live out being disciples of Jesus Christ, we pray God for the wisdom to understand the spirit to apply uh, the heart to demonstrate your compassion and grace. And of course, uh, being able to appreciate your mercy and forgiveness as far as who we are and what we do are concerned. So, Lord, you, the master rabbi, the ultimate teacher, uh, show up in our midst. Uh, and teach us your precepts, and let your word continue to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our pathway. It is in the name of Jesus we pray, and in His name we claim it done. Amen, amen, amen. All right. At this at this time, we want to uh, continue our study as far as First Peter chapter one, starting at verse thirteen through verse twenty five. And what I want to do is kind of set up where we're going to go as far as our reality and this teaching is concerned. Of course, this is this letter is attributed to the chief of the apostles, Peter, um, the very one who Jesus took on the Mount of Transfiguration along with James and John. And they were allowed to catch a glimpse of his glory. The very one who confessed Jesus Christ to be the son of the living God and to whom Jesus says, uh, flesh and blood has not revealed this unto you, but my father, which art in heaven. And you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The same Peter who denied Jesus three times before his crucifixion. This is the Peter that is attributed to having written this letter. And so it just goes to show when one submits himself or herself to the lordship of Jesus Christ, regardless of what you have done in your past, that God has the wonderful capacity to redeem you and to make you brand new. So we come to this particular moment, as far as our time of study is concerned, to really talk about what does it mean as far as living out our discipleship in a very meaningful and powerful way that will allow for God our Creator to be glorified, for Jesus Christ our Redeemer to be satisfied, And of course, for the Holy Spirit to be demonstrated as far as moving in our lives. So, what I want to do is, I want to read uh, this section of scripture for you. And of course, let's do some exegetical work as far as highlighting some words and phrases. And then we'll start talking about uh, the exposition or really uncovering the text. Starting in verse 13, I'll be reading from the New King James Version of the Word of God. It reads like this. um, Mm -hmm. Therefore, gird up your loins, the loins of your mind. Be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I want you to highlight the phrase loins of your mind. I want you to circle the word hope. And then I want you to underline the revelation of Jesus Christ. Verse 14, as obedient children, highlight that phrase as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance. I want you to um, underline the phrase, conforming yourselves to the former lust. Verse 15. But as he who has called you is holy, circle the word holy, you also be holy, circle the word holy, in all your conduct, circle the word conduct. Draw a line from the word holy uh, in uh, uh, the first word holy to the second word holy. I want you to see that repeat. Verse 16. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. Highlight the phrase, be holy for I am holy. Circle the word holy both words holy in that text or in that uh, passage of scripture. Verse 17. And if you call on the father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear. I want you to circle the word judges, circle the word conduct, Draw a line from the word conduct in verse 17 to conduct in verse 15. Make that connection. Okay. Verse 18. Knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold. Highlight the phrase with corruptible things like silver and gold. From your aimless conduct, circle the word conduct received by the traditions from your fathers. Verse 19, but with the precious blood of Christ, highlight the phrase, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Verse 20, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but it was manifested in these last times for you. Highlight that whole verse. Verse 21, who through him believed in God, whom raised, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Underline the phrase, your faith and hope in, are in God and circle the word "him." There should be three hymns in verse 21 that you should circle according to the New King James Version. Okay. As we go to verse 22, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Highlight that whole verse. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. Highlight the phrase, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. Through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. I want you to circle the word, word, in that text. Verse 24, because all flesh is as grass, And all the glory of man as the flower of the grass, the grass withers and its flower falls away. Verse 25, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Circle the word, word. Now this is the word, circle the word, word again, by which the gospel is preached to you. And I want you to draw a line in verse 25 between the two words or the two phrases, the word. Now, there's a lot of appreciation as we get ready to dive into this particular rendering that you got to have for the Greek. And the reason that I say this is because as I get ready to go through this, there's some words that I want to explain to you or highlight to you in the Greek that our English does not do a good job of translating. And when you understand it in the Greek, uh, as I explained it to you, hopefully and prayerfully, it would give you a better insight as far as our sharing is concerned. And so as we prepare to uh, do our uh, exegetical work or really our expositional work, uh, let's look at verse 13 and let's get ready to really uh, highlight and talk about what it is that the Lord will have for us to do. Um, This whole passage that we're dealing with right now, verses 13 through verse 25, if I could conceptualize it into one phrase, It is about spiritual maturity. Let me say it again, spiritual maturity. This is about how you and I are called to live our lives as disciples of Jesus Christ, as women and men who have been saved by the blood of the lamb. That there is a particular way that we are expected to conduct ourselves. In other words, God does not save us to remain static or to remain the same. There ought to be some sense of growth and development as far as our walk with God that is demonstrated in how we get along with one another as far as the household of faith, as well as how we live out our discipleship in the culture. So so, so, think about it, think about it, think about it. Uh, when you have a child, when you have a child, we know that uh, a newborn baby has to be fed, a newborn baby, has to be clothed a newborn baby uh, has to have its diaper changed okay they they, they, they have to be taught how to walk um, they're, they're just some things that when you dealing with a newborn that they have to do all right you you, you don't expect for a newborn, to do the things that a five-year-old or a 10-year-old or a teenager or a young adult or or even someone older should be able to do. However, when a child gets to be, uh, say for instance, five or 10 or teenager and they're still in the need of being fed, having somebody to help them to put on their clothes or having no control over their bladder, then that's a problem. That's an area of serious concern because it's just the assumption that as the child grows older, that that child is gonna mature as time passes. Just as a child matures as time passes, because that child is now taking in a lot of things Emotionally, relationally, physically, cognitively, uh, educationally, they are applying those things as far as their ultimate reality is concerned and therefore growth is taking place. But guess what? This should be the expectation for you and for me when it comes to our walk with God, our spiritual development uh and and in this letter peter is encouraging the readers not to become stunted in their growth and development but to become more mature in christ let me say that again to become more mature in christ all right so let's look at let's look at this this the these verses and and hopefully and prayerfully we can really appreciate what it is that God is trying to reveal to us. Verse 13, therefore gird up the loins of your mind, the loins of your mind, uh, be sober and rest your hope fully on the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Christ Jesus. When, When you look at particularly verses 13 through verse 16, Peter is giving us, several things that we need to be aware of. Gird up the loins of your mind. In other words, let me rephrase that. Prepare your mind for action. In other words, Peter is saying that obedience, and and, and I'm hoping that I I bless somebody with this, obedience is the conscious act of your will. So if obedience is the conscious act of the will, then we as Christians or we as disciples of Jesus in conflict need a tough-minded holiness that is ready for action, okay? In in other words, this is what uh, uh, the same thing that basically Paul is trying to help us understand that when he says don't conform, to the ways of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So obedience to God is you girding up or preparing your minds for action. Let's look at something else. Be sober. In other words, have some self-control. Have some self-control. When we look at this phrase, be sober, it is Peter telling us to be free from every form of mental, physical, and spiritual drunkenness or excess. Rather than being controlled by our outside circumstances, we as disciples of Jesus Christ should be directed by the Holy Spirit. We know that the ultimate essence of soberness really comes from the movement of the Holy Spirit. Now, let watch, watch this. Let, let me see if I can help you understand this. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit fell upon those 120 women and men in the upper room, the people that were outside heard them speaking in various languages and they thought that the people were drunk. It is Peter who addresses the crowd and says these wonderful words. He says, we are not drunk as some of you think, it's only nine o'clock in the morning. We, we are nowhere near drunk, but this is a movement of the Holy Spirit upon the lives of those that are here. I'm paraphrasing, okay? That, that is based upon the prophecy of Joel, how the Spirit will fall upon men and women and their sons and daughters shall, what? Prophesy. So even when it comes to quote, folks talking about they being drunk in the spirit, Peter said, "Now it is not the idea of being even drunk in the spirit. It is you being aware of the movement of spirit. And that what looks like drunkenness to the world is really a movement of the spirit of God as far as our ultimate reality is concerned. So, so Peter wants us to understand That that the Holy Spirit, as far as control is concerned, as far as soberness is concerned, as far as sobriety is concerned, basically will not have you, watch this, embarrassing God. Okay, will not have you embarrassing God, all right? So we got to continue to understand what this looks like. Let me continue to press forward. Self-control. And then notice what it says. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is being brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Holy living spiritual maturity demands determination. You, you you got to want this, okay? It, it just doesn't happen in osmosis. You got to want this. And so notice what he says. He says, rest your hope. In other words, you got to do something for the spiritual maturity to take place. In other, it just doesn't happen because you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You got to work it. This is what discipleship means. You got to work it. This is what growing in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus Christ is concerned. You got to work it. in other words, your spiritual maturity does not happen because you've said yes to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or because you've joined the church. You got to work it. That means there has to be obedience. That means you got to be determined. That means that you got to understand that there are some things you got to do and then God will fill in the gaps. Rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Peter wants us to understand that as we engage in spiritual maturity, that the movement of the Holy Spirit upon our lives is because of the grace of God when we fully understand and appreciate who Jesus Christ is. Okay? Now, notice in verse verse 14 where, where, where Peter really hammers this home. Because in verse 14, he says, As obedient children, do not conform yourselves to the form of lust as your ignorance. In other words, if we're going to do the three things that he has mentioned in verse 13, gird up the loins of our minds or prepare our minds for action, be sober, and to rest our hope fully upon the grace, then the way that happens is for us, through obedience, not to conform ourselves to our past sinful lives when we did not know who God was. In other words, our sinful lives before accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and savior, no longer has power dominion, nor dominance over our life after we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. In other words, there is a shift in who we are before saying yes to God and who we are after saying yes to God. And what Peter wants us to understand is that we should not allow for ourselves to use as an excuse what we were as sinners prior to being redeemed by Jesus Christ. That's why he uses word, not conforming yourselves to former lust." As in your what ignorance, in other words, you didn't know any better. You were sinners, you didn't know any better. Now you know better. Guess what? You are expected to do better. This, this is why I am this is why for me, preaching and teaching are are, are so important because I don't want to be held accountable for not giving you what the Lord will have for you to do. Now, this is why I want you to understand that as a pastor. I'm held responsible to God for the things I teach, for the things that I don't teach. I'm held responsible for the flock here at St. Paul, as well as anybody else who listens to me. I am held responsible for what I teach and what I don't teach. God holds me accountable. Okay. now this is why I'm trying to do as much teaching as possible. Because I want you to understand, if you're listening to me right now, this is probably re- reason why we don't have a lot of folks that go to Sunday school or Bible study and stuff like that, because they don't want to be held accountable. But guess what? When you've been exposed to truth, when you know better, God expects for you to do better, and God then holds you accountable for what you've been exposed to. That's why. That's why Peter is saying. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the form of lust as in your ignorance. He's using the same word, not conforming yourself, as how um, uh, Paul did in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, when he said... Uh, Therefore, I beseech you, my brothers and sisters, by the mercy of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not conform to the ways of this world, but be what? Transformed by what? The renewing of your mind. Your mind got to be renewed. And guess what? Your mind got to be renewed every single solitary day. That's why you got to spend time with God devotionally in scripture and in prayer. And now here's where I'm getting ready to drop a bombshell on you. Here's where I'm getting ready to drop the bombshell on you. Because Peter is saying. As obedient Children. You are molding your character to be holy. In other words, your lifestyle is to reflect not what you were before you were saved, but it ought to reflect spiritual maturity and development since the movement of the Holy Spirit has grasped your being and is creating you and helping you to become holy. In other words, we are now being called, being formed, being shaped into the holy nature of God, our Father, who has given us a new birth and has called us to be His children. I hope I'm helping somebody here. Because what Peter wants us to understand. Is that he is not speaking of any type of legal requirement like being under the law. But he is trying to help us to understand. That as a follower of Jesus Christ. That our outer walk ought to be influenced by our inner spiritual well being. That our inner being ought to be seen on the outside. In other words, as God through the Holy Spirit continues to work on our spirit. There ought to be a shift demonstratively in our thoughts, our walk, and our talk, and our actions. In other words, this is the process, beloved, of sanctification. This is the process of, let me say it again, sanctification now let's be honest we know that we will not be absolutely holy as far as as, as this world is concerned we still going to fall short we still going to mess up uh, there are times when we would disappoint God uh, it can absolute holiness is not for us as people who have been bitten by the serpent as Dr. John Kenny would like to say um uh, uh, It's 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 not going to be absolute here, but watch this. But every single solitary area of our life should be in the process of being completely conformed to God's perfect and holy will. He who has called you is holy. God is holy. We are expected to be holy. What in our conduct? Why? Because it is written, "Be holy, for I am holy." Now. This this, this, this is what I really want you to, to, to understand what the essence of holiness is. The essence of holiness is really maturing. Removing sinful activities is part of holiness. Holy means to be distinct. It means to be pure. It means to be sacred. It means to be set apart. We are holy, which which means we should be looking different and acting different than the culture. There ought to be something distinctive about us. Let me let that set for a moment. Because too many church folks, too many Christians want to blend in with the culture and that's why we can't reach folks that are not part of the household of faith because ain't no difference for some church folks between us and them there is a difference being holy means there ought to be some distinctive markers between us and them And we ought to be motivated to be holy because, number one, we want to resemble God, our creator. We don't look like we have a relationship with God. Number two, we ought to have a reverential fear of judgment. Now, I know 2021 folks hate hearing the word judgment. But judgment is going to happen. And I know it's something that folks don't like to talk about. And I know it's something, you know, uh, that 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 in this culture, it does not attract folks or some folks as far as God is concerned. But judgment is going to happen. You ought to have a reverential fear of judgment. In other words, there ought to be some things you're afraid to do because you're going to see it again in judgment. (laughs) Help me teach this thing, God. Okay? And, And then you ought to recognize the uselessness of unholiness. Ain't nothing useful about being unholy. Ain't nothing you, there's nothing you gain by being unholy. There is nothing productive about being unholy. And then the last thing is you ought to appreciate or what ought to motivate you to become holy is because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ for you. I hope I'm helping somebody right now. now. Now this serves as as a great transition to verses 17 through 21. Because God through Jesus Christ paid a high price for our salvation which ought to place within us a desire to live differently. Verse 17, and if you call on the father who without partiality judges, ah, put the kick sand down. Or oh, as my boy on uh Jalen uh would say on Jalen Jacoby, ah, stop right there. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's what? Work. Work. Your work is going to be judged. Holy living is motivated by a God-fearing faith which does not take lightly what was purchased at so great a cost. I hope I'm helping somebody right now. You and I ought to want to live differently than the culture because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Verse 17 blesses me because it says, and if you call on God the Father who without partiality, listen, God has no respect to a person. God is going to judge each and every person according to our works. That's why he says, conduct yourselves through the time of your stay here with what? Fear in fear. Now, 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 as we are obedient to the Spirit, we have the right to call God our Father, and as we have the right to call God our Father, and and, and I just got to put this out there: uh, when we talk about God being Father, it is not with the the male understanding of gender or anything like this. We we are we're talking about God as Father as being protector, provider. That we have the right to call God our father, which leads us to obeying God in reverential fear. And when we talk about fear here, the word fear is not us being scared or trembling. But 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 let me let me bless you. The word fear here in the Greek is phobia. But the word phobia as being translated in this particular rendering is not scared more so than Highly respect. So reverential fear leads to high respect. Okay. All right. Reverential fear leads to high respect. So so as we live our lives, according to the word of God, mm, mm, mm. as we live our lives, according to the word of God, we become strangers in this world. Watch it. Conducting yourselves throughout your time, throughout the time of your, your stay here. Here. What's here? This world. That's what here is. This world. And as we live out what it is that God will have for us to do, as we become holy, we become strangers or aliens to the culture. I'm just a pilgrim traveling through this barren land. We become strangers to the world's shifting situational ethics. We become strangers to the culture's relativism. We become strangers to how Everybody else deals because guess what? We don't do it the way everybody else do it. We've been called to a higher standard. So when we talk about this fear, that means that God has done something to our mind that allows for us to come to God with a sense of high respect even though we're vulnerable with God, it helps us to obey God, which makes us strangers to the way that the world, the culture, society moves. What are you saying, pastor? What I'm saying is there ought to be a difference. There ought to be a difference. There ought to be a difference. Um, um, Verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, check this out, like silver or gold. (laughs) Received by the traditions from your fathers. Like silver and gold from your aimless conduct, received by the traditions of your father. Paul, Paul, Peter is saying. Peter is saying you you your salvation wasn't paid for by money. Your salvation wasn't procured by taking goats, bulls or lambs, to an altar in the temple. Your salvation, my salvation, was purchased by the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the perfect lamb without spot, without wrinkle, who basically was preordained to do this before the world ever formed. Christ was sinless. Christ was uniquely qualified to be our Passover lamb at the altar known as Calvary. But the wonderful thing about that lamb was that lamb got up on what we call resurrection Sunday morning. And and that lamb went from being the lamb of God to the lion of Judah. That that, that 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 lamb went from being dead to alive that that lamb went from being the carpenter's son to the son of the living God that lamb who took away the sins the sin of the world I, I I like it the way when John the Baptist made the announcement in, in first John um uh chap, in, in John chapter 1. When he sees Jesus coming to be baptized in the Jordan and he's having this conversation with Jesus, he said, listen, you ought to be baptizing me. And Jesus said, no, this it has to be this way. And when he saw Jesus come, he said, behold, the Lamb of God, which take away the sin, not sins, but the sin of the world. That's big sin. That's the very thing that separates us from God and from one another. The the very essence of what Adam and Eve did in the Garden of Eden has now been turned on his head and upside down. He takes away that sin. And is manifested before us right now. And, and so, and so, as a result of, of what he has done, the payment of sin. Was planned before God said, Let there be. It is revealed in the person of Jesus Christ. It was glorified when he took off on that cloud ten days before Pentecost. And anyone that know and trust him as a result of God's eternal plan, and as a result of God's payment for our sin, our faith and hope can be placed in Jesus Christ. For through him, you can replace the word him in verse 21 with Jesus. For through Christ, believe in God, whom who raised Christ from the dead and gave Christ glory so that your faith and hope can be placed in him. Let me go ahead and close this out. Because when we look at verse 22, Verse 22 helps us to understand that maturity leads to purification. The the more mature you become in Christ, the more pure your life becomes. And the way your life achieves that purification and that maturity is by obeying the truth of God. How how is it that we obey the truth of God? Look at verse twenty two. Since you have been pure, since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit in sincere love of the brethren. Oh, okay, all right, all right, now now here's here's where I'm really getting ready to mess this up. Since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth, that's the word of God basically, through the spirit, in sincere love of the brethren, love one another fervently with a pure heart. Ah! Put your kickstand down right there. A changed life is gonna be evident or seen in how we get along with God's other children. Just like trials and tribulations refine our faith, so as we obey the word of God, that refines our character. And our lives are purified as we obey the word of God sincerely. And as we obey the word of God sincerely, it changes how we relate to our brothers and sisters. A purified life leads to a purified love, particularly with those who share the same faith. Notice what it says. Obeying the truth through the spirit and sincere love of the brother. In other words, Peter is saying, don't be hypocritical in your relationship. This love that you got to have for your brothers and sisters in Christ has to be without hypocrisy. Every evil thought and every evil feeling regarding our brothers and sisters in Christ has to be removed because we are called to love one another sincerely. It ain't shallow, y'all. It's deep. In other words, this love means we have to be unselfish. This love means that we move of being self-centered to other-centered. This love means that our lives are being deepened by the word of God. And the depth is demonstrated in our relationship with one another. Okay. I love the way... um, John puts it, how can you say that you love God whom you've never seen and hate your brothers and sisters whom you see every day? The Bible says that you are a what? Liar. And the truth is not in you. Verse 23 through 25. And I wrap this up. Peter is letting us know. That we've been born again. Verse 23. Having been born again. We got new birth. We've been regenerated. New birth means that you're on the process of developing, maturing, becoming holy. Not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible. In other words, your being born again is a supernatural birth. Through the word of God, which lives and abides forever. Now, watch this. Verse 23, I told you how to circle the circle word, the word which abides for well. verse 24, because all flesh is grass and the glory of, the, of a man as the flower of the grass. Grass withers, the flower fades or falls away, but the word of God endures forever. And now this is the word by which the gospel was preached to you. This is what I'm getting ready to drop on you and then I'm done. Verse 23: Having been born again, not of the in, not of the corruptible seed, but incorruptible through the word of God which lives forever and abides forever. Stop right there. Because the word of God here is logos. L O G O S. That's the same rendering. In John chapter one, then it begin the once word and the word with God and the word was God and the word was what made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld this beauty as the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth. The word logos here, same word, logos in John chapter one. In other words, it refers to Jesus. So let me, if I could recap, uh, 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 um. Reinterpret this for you. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible through Jesus Christ, who lives and abides forever. Then watch this. Because all flesh is grass, and the glory of the man is of the flower of the grass, the grass wither, and and his flowers fall away. But the word of God endures forever. Now that word, which is the gospel preacher, your kickstand down right there. Now in verse 25, the word of the Lord. And now, this word, it ain't Lagos. It's Rhema. R H E M A. In other words, it's spoken word. Not Lagos. This is spoken word. This is scripture. What Peter wants us to understand is that you and I have been born again because of Jesus Christ. And now, I, I hope I'm getting ready to bless somebody, that even though we are decayed because all flesh is grass, our glory is like the flower that fades. But the word of God that is being planted in us, the scripture, the rhema word, the spoken word, the preach word, endures forever. Why does it endure forever? Because it is making a change upon us that because we have embraced this word of God, through Jesus Christ, now the rhema word, the preach word, the spoken word, the talking word lives forever because we will live forever because we have been transformed by the logos or the logic of God or the mind of God or the Jesus Christ of God, which now allows for us and empowers us to live by the spoken word, the printed word, the preached word, the talk word that helps us to live in such a way that we have impact upon the culture and the world. World in which we live, that hopefully even with one small degree of change creates something that is eternal, and that we become more mature. Good God, am I? I thank you, God, for this revelation that we become more mature by Rama. By the preach word, the taught word, the written word, the printed word, the spoken word, the digitized word. Now, this word, rhema, which by the gospel was preached to you. This word, rhema, spoken word, taught word, digitized word, printed word, however you get the word, this gospel. is preached to you i would even dare say this gospel is taught to you and as we properly apply the word of god to our lives we we become more mature we become more developed we become more holy and we become more like christ amen I wanna see if there are, are, are any questions before we get ready to log off and... Um, uh, I'm... Pastor, there was one question. Sure, go uh, ahead. Ms. Karen was wondering, in verse 17, what is the uh, work that you're talking about? In verse 17, mm-hmm. uh, our living, and our work as far as once, see, when we are saved, God does not save us just so that we can claim we're saved, but he saved us to serve. So it is our service as far as the world is concerned. Um, that's what he's talking about. We're going to be judged by our work. We're gonna, we, In other words, our work will be our service and our living. Our service as far as the kingdom of God is concerned and our living. And it is based upon our works and our living that we get our reward. Okay. I hope that helped. Any other questions? All right. That's all that I have. All right. Great. So next week, um, we're going to start on chapter two. And we want to um, encourage you to read... um, Chapter two, verses, I would say verses one through verses one through ten, verses one through ten. We should have some some good sharing as far as that's concerned. And uh, before we close out today. uh, Let me, of course, continue to thank you for how you all continue to bless the work of ministry here at the St. Paul Church. Uh, Thank you so much for how you give. And as I make this appeal to you, that if you so desire to give even at this moment in support of the St. Paul Church, you can um, mail your check of money order to the church at um, 1401 Allen Street, Charlotte, 28205. Or you can bring your check, cash, money order to the church. Uh, Just call the church before you come to make sure someone is here to receive your offering, and we're going to put it in a safe and count it that following Sunday, call the church at 704-334-5309. You can also give through our church website or you can give through the app called Giftify. And um, uh, so those are the the ways that you can give here at St. At Paul. So if you desire to do that at this time, uh, I want to encourage you and I want to thank you so much. Uh, your giving uh, allows for us to do a lot of things in the community uh, through ministry and mission, uh, not only in the community, but in the city, the state and, and even across this globe. So so thank you so very much. Even though the the doors to the physical building have been closed because of COVID, uh, the church has left the building. And, and we continue to have major impact upon um, the world. Well, let's let's close out in, in prayer. And uh, my hope and prayer is that uh, you all have a blessed day. God, we come and we thank you for this wonderful opportunity to be a blessing as far as your word is concerned. We pray right now, God, that by the power and presence of your Holy Spirit, that you will bless those that uh, take the initiative to be a blessing to St. Paul. As we leave from this moment, But never from your presence. Keep us in your care until we're able to come back together again uh, through uh, either preaching or teaching or just uh, communal sharing. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. I I just before I I let you go, just I wanted to remind you this Saturday, this Saturday, um, we will be hosting another COVID-19 vaccination here at the church from eight o'clock in the morning to 2.30 PM, this is for the first dose as far as the Moderna vaccine is concerned, the first dose, not the second dose, the first dose, dose number one, numero uno. This is only for those that are 65 and older. You don't have to pre-register, but you wanna get here early. And of course it will be drive-through primarily. However, for those that are living in our senior building or in the community that want to walk up, we will have walk ups at the gym. Everybody else would do drive throughs as far as their cars are concerned. So um, if you're 65 and older and again, this is 65 and older, you can come and get vaccinated for the first dose as far as COVID-19 is concerned. All right. Listen, love you all. God bless you all. Please take care of yourselves. And I look forward to seeing you all uh, one day in the future real soon. But until then, wash your hands, practice social physical distancing, and please wear, now they're saying two masks, one paper cloth and one cloth, um, one paper mask and one cloth, uh, as far as when you're out in the public. Take care of yourselves. God bless.